welcome to this week's episode of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. Wishing you a very happy new year. Welcome to our first episode of 2024, the year of the dragon. Today in Bali, my children went back to school and all around the world, it's the beginning of term for children. So I hope you're all having a great time being back with your friends and learning stuff with your teachers or maybe if you're homeschooling with your parents. And I hope you're going to learn loads of cool things and create new stuff with your friends this year. Now, since it's back to school time, let's start with a question about schools from Christopher. Take it away, Christopher. Hello. Molly, I'm Christopher. I'm five years old and I live in Germany and I love football, races and dinosaurs and science. My question is, where was the first school in Egypt, Rome or Greece? Bye. Hi Christopher, it's great to hear from you. What a great question. Thank you for sending it to me. Well, I think we need an expert for this one, so I have popped over to the British Museum to talk to John Taylor, who works there and knows a lot about the ancient world. Over to you, John. Hello, Christopher. My name's John. I work at the British Museum, where I answer questions about ancient Iraq. School as we know it is only a couple of hundred years old. But other kinds of schools are much older than that. The first schools in the world were in the Middle East, in today's Egypt and also Iraq. Now we know about schools in ancient Iraq because when they wrote, they didn't use paper. They used blocks of clay. Glorified mud pies, really. And what's fantastic about that is that these clay tablets, we call them, survive really well. We have hundreds and hundreds of exercise books from 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, even 5,000 years ago. Many of these tablets look a bit like modern exercise books. You know, the ones about the size of banana high, banana wide. Not as tasty as a banana, though, although that didn't stop some children trying. There's one of these tablets in a museum in America now, where a boy had finished his exercise, then took a big bite out of it. If you were at school in ancient Iraq, you wouldn't go off to a special school building each morning, and you wouldn't have lots of other boys and girls in your class. You'd be in someone's house, with maybe a couple of other boys for company. Quite often your teacher would actually be your dad or your uncle. The first thing you'd do is learn how to hold a pen and write single letters and then words. You'd be earning your pen licence, basically. As you got older, you'd do maths, music, literature, things like that. Some of these books are a bit like Horrid Henry. They tell stories set in a school. You find students arguing with each other. Or there's one about a poor student who can't seem to do anything right. And he keeps getting hit with a stick by his teacher. Imagine that. Doesn't sound much fun, does it? But don't worry, the children got their own back. There are tablets that have doodles of a teacher on them. And they had fun too. One boy even snuck a fart joke into his homework. 
Now there's another common type of school book. You made these by rolling a ball of clay in your hands, then squashing it flat. So they're the size and shape of the palm of your hand. I once found one of these round tablets with a hole in the middle. Someone must have stuck one on either end of their pen and raced it around like a chariot. Do you know what's really funny? Just imagine what those ancient children would have thought if they'd known that thousands of years later, lots of grown-ups would be reading their homework and talking to each other very seriously about what they'd written. So if you're ever tempted to draw a doodle of your teacher, maybe think twice. You never know if some archaeologist from the future might find it and tell everyone else about it. Thanks for your super question, Christopher. Bye-bye. Thanks, John, for your wonderful answer about the first schools. I really like that story about the clay tablet with a bite taken out of it. I looked it up and I can see the bite mark. And yeah, we think the student was around 12 and he was probably biting the tablet to break it. Probably because he was grumpy because the thing he was trying to write wasn't working out. Or maybe he was trying to do maths and he couldn't get the answer right. And he was just like, ugh, this is so frustrating. Chomp and bit on his clay tablet. And we can see his teeth mark still today, even though they're thousands of years old. I also love the doodle of a teacher. That's really fun. A 5,000 year old doodle of a teacher. I looked him up too. He seems to be sitting down and holding a stick. I hope it's not a cane to smack people on the bottom. Well, you can look on our Instagram at everything under the sun pod. We're going to post a picture of those two clay tablets so you can see them if you'd like to. Now, ancient cuneiform is one of my favourite languages. I can't read it or write it, but I first saw it with a curator called Dr Irving Finkel at the British Museum. He showed me this huge collection that came from the very first library in the world made by an amazing king called King Ashurbanipal back in ancient Assyria, which is today's Iraq. Now, I love looking at the clay tablets and thinking about how people not that long ago decided to invent writing and invent things to write with, like they used reeds, which is like grass, which they pressed into wet clay. And then they wrote down all kinds of things and then kept them. Thank goodness they did. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to have books, newspapers, stories, sums, letters, poems, and all the things we love to write. Just think about it. Children 5,000 years ago in the first schools in the world were writing down their lessons on clay tablets. Imagine if the work you're doing now survives for 5,000 years and kids in the future read it and think, wow, that guy who lived a long time ago was super smart. How amazing they wrote on paper. What a weird thing paper is. I wonder what kids in 5,000 years time will be writing on and writing about. You better make your work really great and full of imagination just in case a kid thousands of years in the future reads it. I hope that answers your question, Christopher, and thank you for sending it in. And thank you so much, John, from the British Museum. Now we've learned all about the very first schools thousands of years ago, it's time for another historical question about how people lived a long time ago in the Ice Age. Hmm, this one's from Vihan. Over to you. Hi, Molly. My name is Vihan, and I'm six years old. I live in Princeton, New Jersey, and I like video games, the book Everything Under the Sun, and dinosaurs. My question is, how did some Homo sapiens survive in the cold of the Ice Age? 
Hi, that is such a great question. Hmm, I'm so glad you've been enjoying my book, Everything Under the Sun. I hope you've been having a lot of fun reading it and that you found out lots of cool stuff about life on Earth. Do get your friends a copy and show them if you think they'd like it. Now, onto your question. Hmm, this is a good one. Well, there have been several ice ages on Earth, and the first one around two billion years ago when humans, yeah, they went around. But the most recent ice age is the one human beings were around for, because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we humans haven't been around that long. Now, how did Homo sapiens survive a freezing cold ice age? It was around three million years ago, and that was at its coldest between 24,000 and 21,000 years ago, when Homo sapiens were out there struggling to keep warm in low cold temperatures. Hmm, well, there's quite a few reasons how they managed to survive. Firstly, evolution. Their brains became big over time, and humans started walking upright so they could plan ahead, think about how to survive, get around easily, track animal herds to hunt food. They could also talk, like language is super important, because then they could understand each other and plan, collaborate, work together, pass down their knowledge to their children and children's children through stories and sharing information. There are cave drawings in France that show the last Ice Age humans drawing animals that lived in the area, including reindeer and bison, sharing information through stories and art. What a lovely thing. Now, Ice Age humans lived in natural rock shelters, carving caves into a rocky wall so they could have a safe little house away from the cult. Historians think that after they carved out these shelters, they might have lined them with fur from animals and draped large pieces of material made from animal skin over the opening of the cave, like a door. It's like a little warm tent inside a cave. That's sort of what they were like, and inside would be a blazing fire to keep everyone cosy. Another important thing which helped human beings survive the Ice Age was clothes. Before things got really chilly, Homo sapiens wore basic clothing made of animal skin and fur, but around 30,000 years ago, they invented the needle. So that meant they could sew clothes together with a needle and thread and make way better clothes that fitted better and were warmer. The Ice Age tailor that's someone who makes clothes, would have made waterproof clothing by sewing together different layers of material, like the fur of a reindeer or an arctic fox. The thread Ice Age humans used was made of vegetable fibres, and we even dyed it different colours, like turquoise and pink. So, the Ice Age, Homo sapiens were kind of fashionable people, and they kept warm. Now, these guys had also learnt how to make tools. They designed tools out of bone and antlers, which were really light to carry, as well as sharp and strong. The small size of these new lightweight tools meant they could carry them for long distances in the freezing weather. The tools that were most important were called a burin, spelt B-U-R-I-N. So they used a rock to cut into bone and antler to carve little spearheads to hunt with. And these heads could be reused and stuck onto different spears for different reasons. So basically, Around then, they created the first kind of Swiss army knife style tool, which really helped them to survive the Ice Age. Another way that humans back then hunted animals was that they used fires. They planned their hunting carefully and worked together to catch prey. They'd light a fire to attract the animals and then they could capture them and eat them. And that helped them to survive. So many things that they did. And most important of all probably is language. As we already mentioned, because Ice Age humans could then share information about which plants to eat, how to build a fire. They could tell stories that kept them excited about life, even when they were freezing. And they could work out together how to find food, how to keep warm, or how to hunt a woolly mammoth. 
it's important to work together in difficult times to get through it till things are a little easier. So many ways to survive an ice age. I hope that answers your question, Bahan, and thank you for sending it in. And now for our third question, which is about something men might have on their faces to keep them warm. They're made out of hair. They're a little bit scratchy. What could they be? Hmm, yep. Did anyone guess a beard? If you did, you're right. That's our next question, and it's from Flora. Over to Flora. Hello, Molly. My name is Flora, and I'm four years old. My country is Canada, and my name is Flora. And my question is, why do men have beards? Bye, Molly. Hi, Flora. I hope you're keeping warm in Canada. Thanks for your beard question. Well, you can get lots. Long curly white ones like Father Christmas, short dark ones, ginger beards, big wide moustaches. But why do men grow beards? Well, first, let's look at the science. Boys begin to grow hair on their faces when they're going through puberty, the time when your body starts to change and grow into an adult. Hair on your face can start to grow between 13 and 16, but sometimes later. A full beard might not get to you if you're a man until you're in your 20s or 30s. Everyone is different. The growth of hair happens because of chemicals released in boys' bodies as they develop into adults. They're called hormones. The hormone that gets a beard to grow is called testosterone. It sends signals to boys' chins and cheeks, which then grow thicker, darker hair. Some guys just shave it off every morning. Some grow some really uh, trendy stubble, and some let it grow into beards so they can stroke them. Why do they do that? Well, back in time, it was very handy to have a beard because it would keep your face warm. It could also stop your chin from getting sunburned or protect your face from scrapes. In some cases, it might attract a partner for you, as long as the lady or man you were trying to attract liked beards. In some cultures, beards are a sign of wisdom. <laughs> Sikh men wear long beards as a sign of respect to God. Not cutting their beards is an important part of their faith. Beards can also be a fashion statement. Lots of people grow and style their beards using oil and shampoo just because they want to. They might make a little one called a goatee or put wax in their moustache to make it stick out at the sides. Or if you like, you can shave it all off. Today, it's just another way to express yourself. Although in the past, it was more practical to keep warm or to protect your face from scratches. Now, I hope that answers your question, Flora. It's a brilliant one. And thank you for asking. Now, just before Christmas, we had a great episode and a question about magic and where it comes from, answered by the wonderful writer Sophie Dahl. We asked you to send in your wishes to win a copy of Sophie's new book. Here are our three favourite wishes. Hello, my name is Santiago Woods. I'm six years old and my wish is I want a a toy penny station. My name is Maddie and I'm eight years old and I wish that the king would let people wear their pyjamas all day. Hi, my name's Isabel. I'm nine. I live in Bexhill. My wish is that I had a pet dragon. Congratulations to all three of you. A copy of Sophie's new book is on its way to each of you. I hope that you love it. Right, that's it for this week. Wishing you all a wonderful week. Hope you spot a beard, survive if it's really cold where you are, and don't forget to go to school and have loads of 
fun and create something cool because you never know in 5,000 years time someone might be reading the work you're doing this week so you better make it good thank you so much to John Taylor from the British Museum for your wonderful answer about schools and a big thank you to Christopher, Vihan and Flora for your brilliant questions and to Sophie Dahl for the copy of your book to all three lucky children it's been a great week back wishing you a very happy new year remember to get yourself a copy of the book everything under the sun and send me your questions if you have a question you would like answered on everything under the sun just get a grown-up to record you saying your name your age a bit about yourself and send it in to me at molly at everything under the i'll be back next week answering more curious questions from children around the world in another episode of everything under the sun thank you and goodbye